Let's remain standing today as we read from the scripture. Uh, second, uh, second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power and demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And then a little bit later over in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, And don't give the devil an opportunity. Come on, let's celebrate today what God's going to do in our hearts and lives. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we commit this time to you. We ask you to teach us. We ask you to speak to our hearts. And uh, Lord, to give us a new mind. A new mind. Renew our minds as we think about your goodness, your grace, and your power in our lives. We pray this in your wonderful and holy name. Amen. 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 Well, it's wonderful to see you today. You can take out your notes and follow along with where we're going. We're in week two of our series called Backtalker. We've been talking about talking back to the devil. And today I want to talk to you about your thought life because the direction that your life is headed, the the, the direction that your life has been headed is profoundly, deeply influenced by the thoughts that you have. And it's no coincidence that, that the Apostle Paul challenges the Corinthian church to think, to think more deeply and more profoundly about their own thoughts. You know, most people don't really think about what they're thinking about. We tend to think about whatever thoughts kind of come into our head. How many times do we really filter how many times do we, do, we, do we say, you know, I'm not going to meditate, I'm not going to think about that thing? Uh, the mind is the control center of our life. And if the devil can get to your mind, if he can get to your thoughts, he can get to your life. Because whatever actions that, that take place in your life have to take place first up here in the mind, right? If we think it, then, then, then we act on it. But if we could change the way that we thought, it would change the things that we do. Amen? And so today I want to talk to you about changing your mind. I've called the message today, Stomp on the Strongholds. Because a stronghold is a place in our mind and in our hearts where we have given real estate to the enemy. And God wants us to stomp on the stronghold. And the the reason that this message is so important is because God wants you to walk in freedom. You see, God does not want you to be a person that walks in bondage or, or, or in confusion or in uncertainty. God wants to bring vitality and strength and power into your life, and it starts with the mind. It starts with the mind. 2 Corinthians challenges us in that regard. And negative thoughts are always full of fear and of doubt. And it is uh, a vital necessity to have our thinking uh, in the right order. So 
I want you to write these down. I'm going to give you three powerful principles today to live in spiritual victory. And to live in spiritual victory, number one, requires me to discern the thoughts. Okay, discern the thoughts. Now look again at 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. It says, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. In in other words, uh, every thought is a captive. We have, to, we have to think about our thoughts. Every thought is captive. Now, um, we take every thought captive. We let some thoughts go because they're good thoughts, and we put some in prison. Okay? Amen? We're discerning the thoughts. It means not everything that comes into your mind gets to stay. Some things get kicked out, and some things are welcome. There's discretion. Okay? Are you thinking about what you're thinking about? And to take a thought captive means to critically analyze the thought and the message. Now, on Friday, I got my hair cut, and I was sitting in the chair, and I was reminded of an experience that I had 10 years ago when I was getting my hair cut. I went to one of the nicest salons in the area, and the lady sat me down in the chair and she looked at me, and she was kind of staring at me, kind of funny. And uh, I was, you know, I was starting to get kind of nervous, like, you know, did I do something wrong? And she said, "Your head is lopsided, but don't worry, I can fix your hair to compensate." And I was like, "Aren't you a fantastic person? In fact, can I book my next appointment? I'm totally coming back here." And that happened ten years ago. And Friday, I'm getting my hair cut, and guess what I thought of? I thought, is he going to say something about my head? You know, after the lady said that, I went home and looked in the mirror, and I was like trying to see it, you know, and I was asking Gina if my head was crooked, and you know, I was like, it's been all these years, and I didn't realize my head was crooked, and I was worried, and I was looking at some old photos, and I just wasn't seeing it, you know, and... You know, sometimes people say things to us that we never forget. Sometimes those thoughts come into our head. And listen, just because somebody said it doesn't mean that it's true, by the way. Amen? And and so I want to push out the things that are erroneous and false. And I want to think profoundly and deeply. And I want to meditate on the things that I know are true and are good. Let, let, let's use discretion here and let's discern, let's discern the thoughts. We keep some and we discard others. And you know what? You would feel better if you would begin to think less about the things that are wrong. I guarantee you, maybe you came to church this morning. You're like, I am in such a bad mood. Well, what are you thinking about? If you couldn't sleep last night, what are you thinking about? If you're upset and you're anxious and you're worried, what's on your mind? What's going on up here? Because maybe there's some thoughts that we need to put out. Or maybe there's some thoughts that we need to put in. Amen? Uh, I love the prophet Isaiah. He said in uh, Isaiah 26 verse 3, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. In other words... You'll have peace in your life when your mind is focused 
when your thoughts are on the things of God, when they're on, the, when they're on what is good and what is right. And Paul compares the mind in 2 Corinthians to a fortress. He says your mind is like a castle. It's like a stronghold. It's the spiritual headquarters. It's a citadel. It's a, it's a, it's a fortification. It's a fortress. And that's why our thoughts matter so much. Um, I read a book on thinking on thoughts a few years. It's by a lady this, this named Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's a neuroscientist, and she's a very committed Christian. And her whole life's work is on analyzing the brain. And I want to share with you some thoughts that she says as a Christian who loves God's word and also as a neuroscientist. This is what she said in her book, Switch on Your Brain. Thoughts are real, physical things that occupy mental real estate. Moment by moment, every day, you are changing the structure of your brain through your thinking. When we hope, it is an activity of the mind that changes the structure of your brain in a positive and normal direction. Now just think about that a minute. If what she's saying is true, it changes the configuration of your brain when you think about what is good. Is that why Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, meditate on these things, that which is good? Is that why Paul said over in Romans chapter 12 that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our, of our minds? Yeah. Is that why uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? Your mind matters. Your mind really matters. Dr. Leaf goes on and she says in another portion of the same book, if you realized how powerful your thoughts are, you would never think a negative thought again. Wow, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? She also says when your objectivity, when you objectively uh, observe your own thinking with the view of capturing rogue thoughts, you in effect direct your attention to stop the negative impact and rewire healthy new circuits in your brain. Wow. How many of us have got some poison going on up here? Poison in the mind, worrying about things, being anxious, um, telling ourselves, I'm going to fail. Maybe you have that conversation with yourself, the squirrels inside your head. Don't know if I can do it. I think I'm going to fail. I was uh, listening to a Christian writer and uh, speaker this week that was sexually abused by her father and she just thought as a result of that that she would always be kind of like on the B team. And that God couldn't really use her. And, you know, her life would like, maybe God could do a little bit with her, but maybe not that much and all that. And then one day she realized that it was, it was all in her head. It was all in her mind. And now she speaks to thousands and thousands of people every year. It's amazing. It's amazing. It was, it was all in her head. I'm going to fail. Overthinking things. You know, how many of us overthink things? Anybody? You know, sometimes there can be like a small decision. I'll have 75 possible outcomes. You know, like, you know, I mean, I've got that scenario. One of my friends told me one time, he was like, Ryan, you're just overthinking that. And I'm like, well, I didn't really want to hear that, but you're probably right, you know. Overthinking is a form of worry. It's, it's, it's an expression of anxiety is what it is. Um, maybe you've thought no one cares or understands. Or how about this? I know better than God does. You know, there's like all that stuff in the Bible, you know, all that Ten Commandments stuff and all that 
that Sermon on the Mount stuff, but, but you know, like, I got the truth. I, I, I got it. I know better than God. And these are poisonous thoughts. What about some positive thoughts? What if we replace the poisonous thoughts with the positive thoughts? Things like, who can I serve or help today? What if we woke up in the morning and the first thought that we had was, what is God going to do today? <laughs> you know? Like, life's a great adventure, Lord. What are you going to do this morning? I can't wait to hear it. Or, I'm so thankful that God has given me this. Or, I got knocked down, but I know God is still with me. I'm going to get up. Or, I made some mistakes, but I know it's not over. We have to have a filter. We have to have a discretion about the things that come into our mind. When you drink coffee or when you brew coffee, what do you do? You put a filter in, right? What does the filter do? Yeah, it separates everything. I mean, if you tried to drink some coffee without the filter, that would be kind of nasty, wouldn't it? I mean, I think coffee's nasty anyway, but I mean, I'm saying my friends say. You, you have a filter in your house. If your house ever gets dusty, what does that mean? You probably need to change the filter. Every once in a while, you got to do that. Okay? There's a filter. There's an air filter. It, it, it filters out dust and other impurities. And the same is true with the mind. We need to put a filter over our mind so that we can discern what is right, what is good, what is God-honoring, and what is destructive, what is poisonous, and what is a lie. And the devil will put thoughts in our mind. By the way, the devil is extremely patient. He's in no hurry. He wants, he wants you to think poorly of yourself, poorly of others. He wants you to look at, at the world. He wants you to be cynical. He wants you to be negative. He wants you to be jaded. He wants you to be cynical, skeptical, all of that. That comes from the enemy, and we need a filter. Now, in the context of 2 Corinthians, in chapter 10, verse 4, um, Paul corrects them because the, 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 the Corinthian church relied on human strength rather than God's divine power. Now, that's, that's profound. I mean, that's amazing. I, I wonder the root of our thinking if sometimes we just begin to think about what we can do and maybe not what God can do. We're like the Corinthian church. Or in chapter 10, verse 5, they listen to man instead of God. How many times do we listen to people and their commentary more than we listen to what God says, what God thinks? In chapter 10, verse 7, they perceive things superficially rather than deeply. we got to look below the surface. we got to look into the spiritual realm to analyze and to see our thoughts. And when you don't demolish an argument, you will dwell on it. So when we find those destructive thought patterns, we want to blow them up. He says, demolish, demolish those thoughts. But there's also a second thing I want you to see, and that is that we are to disperse the weapons. Okay? Disperse the weapons. Now, in verse 3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. How many of you know God has given you weapons to defeat the attacks of the enemy? I mean, God has given you the tools. You, you have a spiritual tool belt. Amen? 
And, and we need to access the correct tools to accomplish the right, the right means. Some of you are handy. You know, maybe you've tried to unscrew a Phillips head screw with a flathead screwdriver. How'd that work? You know? Isn't it amazing if you have the right tool, how easy it is to do some things, and if you don't have the right tool, how difficult something that should be simple, how how complex that that can become? And and God has given us spiritual tools. So, So let's talk about our spiritual tools because we want to disperse the weapons, okay? We want to use the weapons that God has given to us. We think a lot of times our problems are relational emotional or physical, but a lot of times our problems are spiritual. So let's don't, let's don't forget about the spiritual side of whatever we're going through. Let's remember that. Now, one of those, one of those great tools is truth. And Jesus referred to himself as the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life And no one comes to the Father except by me. If you want truth, look at the person of Jesus. Conversely, the devil is the father of lies, John chapter 8 says. So if I listen to the voice of the enemy, I hear lies. If I listen to to the voice of God, I'm hearing the truth. And and I got to look at Jesus and I got to listen to what he says in order to discern the truth from the error. Sometimes we are looking for answers and we'll Google things. How many of you have ever Googled? You had a problem, you went on Google, you know? How many of you have ever tried to medically diagnose your condition by going online? You went to WebMD. How did that work for you? You know, like you had a sore toe and then you looked it up on WebMD. You're like, I have stage four cancer. My gosh, what in the world has happened, you know? So we, we got to listen to the right voices. Not everything on the internet is right, okay? There's some weird people out there, man. Be careful about all that stuff. Sometimes we value what's online more than we value what is in the Word of God. Sometimes we value what our neighbor said or our family said more than we value what God has said. So we, we got to find the truth. And we got to use the right rules at the right time. Now, let me give you another tool. It's praise. God has given you a great tool. It's, it's, it's a great weapon. It's the weapon of praise. One of my favorite stories over in the Old Testament is uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. King Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. And his three worst enemies ganged up against him. And they bring a massive army. I mean, it is far superior to his little meager army there in Judah. And the people are freaking out. We're all going to die. They're going to get us. What's going to happen? It isn't supposed to work like this. God, where are you? And all that. And King Jehoshaphat sent the worship team out onto the field of battle in front of the soldiers. Okay? And guess what they began to do? They began to sing praises to God. They had their tattoos and their skinny jeans on. And they were singing hymns to God. Guess what it did? It confused the enemy. I guess so. Like, if you heard people singing hymns of praise on the field of battle, guess what? That would confuse you too. And the enemies all turned and fought each other, and it was a great victory. Man, praise is a powerful 
is a powerful way to get your eyes off of your own problems and your own negativity and to get your eyes on the things of God. It it will begin to rewire your brain. Listen, you can rewire your thinking if you will be a person that is committed to praise God. And that's why the Bible says we ought to praise God. In the good times and the bad, time, bad times, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, give thanks in all circumstances. So guess what? When I'm feeling good, I give God some praise. When I'm feeling bad, guess what? Nothing changes. I'm giving him some praise. And praise is a weapon because praise takes our focus off of what I can do and it puts it on God. And what an opportunity. Retrain the brain. Retrain the brain. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray at all times in the Spirit. Ephesians 6 17. So we got the helmet of salvation, which protects the mind. You see, when you have salvation in Jesus Christ, you're, you think different. Like your mind is not the same. And, and the devil is sending those darts, those thoughts. Those, those lies, if you will, at your mind, but you have on the helmet of salvation. And, and so you're walking under the protection and the power and authority of God. You have the sword of the Spirit. I mean, the sword of the Spirit is the, the, the only offensive weapon that's described in Ephesians chapter 6. And I, I love this concept of the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God because what does a sword do? Well, a sword divides. You see, when you have the word of God on your lips and in your heart, it will help you divide truth from error. You see, it's, you know, Psalm 119 says the word of God is a light unto my path. So it's illuminating where I'm going. And as it illuminates, it distinguishes what's right and what's wrong. So I know what to think about. The sword of the spirit, man, God's word. God's word, the sword of the spirit. And he says, praying at all times. I mean, we need to be people of prayer. Prayer is, is, is one of those things that, that will begin to change our, our thoughts as well. Because when we pray about things, we're giving God the burdens and concerns that we have. We're confessing sins to God in prayer. Confession's a big part of it. And, and then we walk in freedom, right? Because I don't have to feel guilty about things that I've already confessed to God. If I already made it right with God, why do I need to walk in condemnation? So it changes the way that I think. I don't see myself as a broken, fallen person. I see myself as somebody who's been redeemed, somebody who's been forgiven, somebody who's been filled by the Holy Spirit. It's a big difference. Got to retrain that brain. Retrain it. Disperse those weapons. And when we do that, guess what? We demolish the strongholds. We stomp on the strongholds. Now look at this in verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So he uses this term, a stronghold. Now, the Corinthian church understood what a stronghold was because not far from the city of Corinth, the ancient city, there was a massive fortress that was built on a hill. It was a castle. And so they, they had a concept of that. This was a massively fortified place. 
And Paul is saying, listen, when you get your mind right, you can tear down castles. See, this is how strongholds begin. When we give ground to the devil, the devil starts by building a, a, a tent. Okay, He can't build a tent if we don't allow him to have the real estate. But too often we give him the ground. The devil builds a tent and then he builds a log cabin because we haven't kicked him out. Then he'll build a house. Then he'll build a mansion. Then he'll build a fortress. And this is why so many people get into addictive behaviors because there are spiritual strongholds in their life. If we could begin to change the way that we thought, it would help us kick the devil out of the places that he doesn't belong. You know, a few years ago, I got a phone call from a church member who had attempted suicide. He took some really hard drugs, tried to take his own life. He was a guy in his uh, late 20s. He had two small children. He had a beautiful wife, really a great, great couple in our church. And when we got down to the bottom of what was driving his, his attempted suicide, it, it was in his mind. One of his friends had passed away, and he felt responsible for the death of this person that he cared for. He wasn't responsible, but in his mind, he thought he was. And the only thing he knew to do was to take his own life. Isn't that sad? But you know what? We shed some light. We brought the truth. And it began to change the way that he thought. It began to transform his life. Him and his wife moved to another state on the East Coast to kind of get a fresh start. Today, they're in church every weekend. His wife is the kids director at their church. No more attempted suicide. No more condemnation and guilt. What, what happened? He changed his thoughts. The truth of God's word began to expose the error from the truth. And begin to distinguish the feelings from the facts. Sometimes we live by our feelings, don't we? You know? If we live by our feelings, we will never be people that have our mind focused on God. Listen, man, God's word transcends feelings. Amen? Because we all got some good days and some bad days. We do. But God's word is an anchor. It is, a, it is a foundation. It is a stabilizing force in our mind so that we don't run off the cliff and lose our mind. We, we, have, we have what God has given to us as his truth revealed in his scriptures. Love that. When strongholds arise, we got to destroy them. Now, how can we build a stronghold? How does a stronghold grow? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks a little bit more about strongholds. He talks about anger. You know, you want to let the devil take some real estate in your life. Be a person that is constantly angry. You can't let it go. Somebody said something, and you can't forget about it. You're upset with your spouse. You're upset with your parents. You're upset with your friends. You can't stand your boss. And anger grows, and it festers. And the devil is given a stronghold, a uh, um, a place to stand, if you will. Ephesians 4.27 talks about a foothold. You know, like it starts with a foothold. A foothold is not a big place, but it's a place that where the devil can stand and then it begins to grow and, and that foothold becomes a stronghold. 
Anger. Anger. Do you have some unresolved anger in your life that is giving ground to the enemy? He's eating your lunch because you're angry. Ephesians 4.23 talks about lying. Lying is another area where we can, where we can allow strongholds to grow. Um, we need to, to, to share the truth. We need to tell the truth. You know, if you're a liar, you can lie so much you can't even remember what the truth is. Maybe you've talked to people like that before. It's so confusing. Lying. That's the devil's playground, man. Telling, telling lies. Bitterness. Bitterness, a place for the devil. All of these things contribute to strongholds growing. Listen, when you have a stronghold in your life, an area that you've given to the devil, it's kind of like giving the opposing team the ball on your goal line. Maybe you watched some football yesterday. If you give the opponent the ball on the five-yard line, he doesn't have to go very far to score. That's what a stronghold is. It's like giving the enemy the ball on your own goal line. You're making it easy for him. So we have to demolish every thought, every pretense, every ideology that is against the knowledge and the truth of God. Tear it down. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on the things above, not, not on earthly things. Okay, quit thinking about all this stuff. Think about, think about this. Set your mind. Focus your mind. Put your thoughts. How many times do we just think about what we see, feel, hear on this earth? And we're not, we're not very heavenly minded. We're practically minded. Amen? God wants us to get heavenly minded. I, I think you'd have less anxiety in your life if you thought more about the things above. It's true. Our actions are a direct result of our thoughts. So we got to renew our minds. We got to refill our minds. So we discern the thoughts, we disperse the weapons, and then we will demolish the strongholds. Because God wants us to have a positive mind so we can have a positive life. And when we do that, we'll stomp on all the strongholds of the devil. Amen? Come on, let's give God some praise today. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and let's pray together. I want to pray for you today. If you'd say, Pastor, pray for me because I got some, some, some areas, some strongholds, some places where, where the enemy has taken over some prime real estate. And I want to kick him out. Would you just raise your hand today? I want to pray for you. Yeah, over here, all over this room. The front, the back, and the sides. The middle, thank you. Thank you all the way to the back. Thank you all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, God, you see our hands raised today. You see our, our hearts surrendered to you. Lord, today would you replace the error and the destructive patterns and the false pretenses with the truth of your word today, Lord. And God, I pray as a result of that, that you would bring so much freedom and so much power 
in our own spiritual lives because we are no longer bound by the strongholds of the enemy's destructive pretenses and ideologies, but we are walking in the power and the presence of Jesus. Thank you, God, today. Thank you. Help us to not dwell on the past, but to look forward to the future and to the great plans that you have for us in the days ahead, Lord. While our heads are bowed for a moment longer, others of us today may not have ever met this great God. He revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave on the third day, and he did so because he loved you. And the scripture says, all that will call on his name will be made new. Would you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart? The beginning of having a new mind is to have Christ in your heart. And I want to give you an opportunity to make the greatest decision that you'll ever make today. It's to invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and change your heart and change your mind by his own blood and his death and his resurrection. Would you do it today? While our heads are bowed, would you just lift your hand today? If you'd say, man, today I want to ask Christ to come into my life. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I see you right here. Thank you. Thank you. Just hold it up high. Thank you over there. I see you guys over there. Thank you on the front row. Thank you. Somebody else today, hold it up high. Right here, thank you. Over here in the corner, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and if you just raised your hand, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a brand new person as I'm putting my faith in Jesus and what he did at the cross and resurrection. And now, Lord, thank you for saving me and making me new. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate today what God is doing. Amen.